This is episode 138 of the Church Venture Northwest podcast. We're continuing the 2015 Annual Enrichment Conference, The Glory of Community with Bruce Ware. This is session four, New Reconciliation with One Another. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you all. And uh, what a joy to be with you for these days together. It's really been a delight to spend time with uh, many of you in conversation, hearing about some of your ministries and, and uh, finding out uh, ways in which the Lord is at work. I had no idea, but he is alive and well and working through uh, many different churches in the Pacific Northwest, and it's really great to hear that. There, there is a vitality that uh, is evident as I talk with you that uh, is, is uh, evidence of God's spirit clearly at work. And we're, I'm just filled with, uh, with delight uh, as, I, as I've had the opportunity to talk with so many of you. And, uh, and to be able to think of these glorious truths together as well, what a privilege uh, to, to do this together. We've looked, as you know, on this theme of the community of Christ's followers as the new people of God. We've looked at our new identity in Christ uh, our, our new union with Christ, our new allegiance to Christ, and now we come in our fourth session this morning to new reconciliation with one another. And uh, th- this is an amazing thing that we'll be looking at this morning, that the work of God in saving us is an individual work, that's true, but it's also a work that has horizontal dimensions that we dare not miss, and uh, that are tr- truly glorious Um, representations of what his grace looks like in action uh, among us. So let's just pause for one moment to pray together as we begin to think about this doctrine of reconciliation. Father, we thank you for the privilege again this morning to focus our attention on teaching from your word that is at one and the same time deep and profound, but also clear and simple uh, in directing us in ways that we need to think and live. And so, Lord, we pray that your spirit would be among us. We depend upon your work, Lord God, by your spirit, through your word, to accomplish all that you want to do. None of us can do in our own lives or in the lives of others what needs to be done. You must do it. So, Father, we plead with you, be present in power, and with the the wisdom of your word and the presence of your spirit to accomplish all that you wish for your name's sake and for the upbuilding of your people. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Introduction. While reconciliation with God in Christ is personal and individual, there is a very important sense in which vertical reconciliation with God is to be marked by and experienced together with horizontal reconciliation. And this is radical. We can no longer harbor antagonisms toward fellow believers over differences of culture, of ethnicity, of nationality, of gender. We must see one another as brothers and sisters in Christ rather than remaining in separate and isolated communities from each other, we realize the church brings together those who were at odds with each other 
and demonstrates the greatest unity that the world has ever seen as various people from every tongue and, and, and nation come together and worship the one true God with common goal, common passion, common understanding of the truth of who God is, of what it is to be saved through faith in Christ. So indeed, reconciliation, this glorious truth that vertically we are reconciled to God through Christ has horizontal dimensions as well. Now let's start with vertical reconciliation just because it's one of these places where we don't want to uh, have the, the problem of the pendulum swinging from one side all the way to the other and, uh, and miss truth that we once held to. Uh, vertical reconciliation, reconciliation with God is gloriously true. And here are a couple passages in the Bible that speak of this, uh, this glorious vertical reconciliation with God through Christ, which is the sunum bonum of life. The greatest good there is, is to be reconciled to God. You, you, know, you know this, don't you? The forgiveness of sins, as, as great as that is, is the prerequisite for this. It's the prerequisite for this. It's not the end goal in itself. Justification is not the end goal in itself. It is the prerequisite for being reunited with a holy God who is a gloriously good joyful, wise, true, and, and, and beautiful God, to be with him forever. Uh, John Piper's book, God is the Gospel, is such an important book. It's a, one of the most important books he's written, I think, because what it, what it does is help us see that the good news is the good news of reconciliation with the God who made us. This is the goal toward which we all are longing as Christian people to be with him forever. And the Bible teaches this glorious truth of reconciliation. So for example, just a couple passages to help us remember this. Romans 5, verses 8 to 11, Paul writes, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were, en if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we will be saved by his life. And not only this, but we exalt in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. And then also 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave to us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He, God, made him Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. 
Now, reconciliation involves three elements. It involves an original uh, relational estrangement with God in which we stand as alienated from him in our sin. Uh, God and, and, and we uh, experience this gulf in the relationship, this estrangement, and we stand before him as those who are deserving of his judgment and deserving of his condemnation. The second element of reconciliation is that there is a provision by which the basis of that estrangement or that alienation is removed. What has produced the estrangement or the, or the alienation is removed. Well, of course, what is it that has produced the estrangement that we have with God? Well, it's our sin. So God himself, the offended party, we're the offendors, right? We're, we're the ones who offend by our sin. God, the offended party, provides his son to be the one by whom the basis of the estrangement is removed. Sin is removed, so there can then be third, a reunion of parties who were once at odds with each other. We hated God, his wrath was against us, but now sin is removed, so there can be a reunion of peace and fellowship, joy and, and a reconciled relationship that we have with our creator God. And this really was God's intention from the very beginning in his design of salvation was to bring us back to himself. You know, going back to our first session together, we saw in Ephesians 1 verse 4, God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. I mean, so he hasn't even created the world yet, but he envisions us in our sin. And he knows there is no way we can be with him apart from his work through Christ to save us. So he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world for what end? To be holy and blameless before him. Why holy and blameless? Because we could never be with him without becoming holy and blameless. So to be with a holy God, he must make us a holy people. And, and so from the very beginning, his goal is to remove the sin, to pr produce in us holiness, by which then we may be with him forever. This is the great goal that we have as Christian people. The great longing of our heart is to be with him forever. He who is the, uh, the, the, the fullness of everything that is qualitatively good is in God. There is no joy that is not God's joy. There is no beauty that is not God's beauty. There is no wisdom that is not God's wisdom. So to be united with him is to be united with the one who has it all, in which we may participate then forever and ever. So there's a sense in which reconciliation is is the final act. Everything else is preparatory for that, that we may be reconciled to God, which <coughs> happens through the work of Christ and then the work of the Spirit to bring us to faith in Christ, by which then we are reconciled. And again, it's one of these doctrines where you see the already not yet. Have we been reconciled to God now? Yes. 
but is the fullness of that yet to come? Oh, yes, it is. We, we all only now are tasting that the smallest portion of the fullness of what awaits us when sin is removed, when we are glorified and in his presence forever. I sometimes liken all the blessings that we receive from God in this life compared to what is coming in the life to come. I sometimes liken that to the nibble in the kitchen on Thanksgiving Day, right? I remember those days growing up. Our mother, bodies and my mother, we, we would always have people to our home for Thanksgiving. And uh, we'd eat breakfast in the morning and then, you know, we couldn't have lunch because Thanksgiving dinner was at about four o'clock. And uh, of course, mom wants us hungry. So at about, you know, 1.30 or two, you smell that food cooking and, uh, and you're hungry. So inevitably, I'd sneak into the kitchen and beg for my mother to give me a little nibble off, off the turkey and she would always oblige. You know, she'd open the oven door and cut off a tiny little piece and hand it to me. And oh my, that tasted so good. But you know, that nibble in the kitchen is equivalent to all of the blessings we will receive in this life compared to the banquet to be served at the table of God's blessings that will never end. I, mean, can, can, I can't fathom this. I cannot fathom a God who has designed blessings that will go on forever for his people, always experiencing freshness, newness, growth and expansion in the fullness of who God is forever and ever. This is what it means to be reconciled to God. Praise be to his grace for, provi for, for providing his son to be the one to remove the basis of our alienation from God, our sin, that we might be brought back to him. <coughs> what a great and gracious God he is. Now, huh, as amazing as vertical reconciliation with God is, the Bible has more to say about reconciliation that involves you and me together, the, the, the oneness of the body of Christ. Horizontal reconciliation, next Roman numeral three, the wonder of being united with others, those who are other than my race, my culture, my ethnicity, my nationality, who now in Christ constitute the closest of all human relationships. Look with me at Ephesians 2, uh, verses 11 to 16. This is really an amazing passage to, to see what, uh, uh, what the Lord wants us to, to understand in terms of this reconciliation as it impacts us together. Paul writes this, Therefore remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called the uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands, Remember that you were at that time, that is, as you were unbelievers, Gentile unbelievers, you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. 
For he, Christ himself, is our peace. Look now. Who made both groups into one? Who are the both groups? Jews and Gentiles, right? Who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. Now, is this the dividing wall that separates us and God? No. This is the dividing wall that separates Jew and Gentile. That dividing wall is broken down by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two, Jew and Gentile, into one new man, thus establishing peace. Peace with God? Not here. Of course, that's true also, right? But this is peace with one another. Jew and Gentile now at peace with each other. And he might reconcile them both in one body to God. Do you see the order here? They're reconciled horizontally with one another in the very act of being reconciled vertically with God. They're reconciled in one body to God through the cross, by it having put to death the enmity. So there is a, a, an amazing portrayal in human relationships that depicts the divine transaction of the forgiveness of sin that, that removes the alienation that we have with God, the enmity that there is with God, that is removed through Christ, that vertical reconciliation has a necessary horizontal expression that is part and parcel of the very same gospel. So there, there needs to be a breaking down of the barriers that would set, that separate us by, by natural, comma, sinful divisions among us. Some of them are merely natural. Culture. You know, we, 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 you know, just think of what is captured in the word home. <laughs> home. And then you realize how different other cultures feel because they're not home. I mean, it, it, is, it isn't what I'm used to. Well, that's not a sinful thing. That's just a different thing. But then there are also sinful differences that we have with each other. Prejudices, racism, sexism, a, a, a kind of superiority complex that we develop, that, that we are the, the tr truly uh, you know, notable people and the others are inferior. Those kinds of sinful bases of separation as well as natural bases of separation are removed in Christ so that we are brought together in one body in Christ and demonstrate to the world what vertical reconciliation with God looks like through horizontal reconciliation with each other. So there is a picture of what it means to be reconciled with God as we are reconciled with each other. Uh, there is a, a sense in which if we don't get this and, and if we continue in our, our estrangement from each other, though we are Christian brothers and sisters in Christ, then we are betraying the gospel. We, we are belying the truth of the gospel. You know, one place where that is seen uh, in scripture, 
Galatians 2, beginning at verse 11. I don't have that on your handout, but you remember the story where Peter, I'm sorry, where, where Paul confronted Peter for his separating himself from Gentile believers when other Jews joined him and fearing the party of the circumcision, right? These Jewish believers who came, he no longer would have his meals with the Gentile believers. And Paul confronted him on that. And, he, and Paul makes the comment that for the sake of the gospel, he confronted Paul, that he was uh, threatening the very fabric of the gospel because he was portraying this alienation continues, this estrangement continues, that that's legitimate. Well, if that's pictured at the horizontal level, then it calls into question the vertical reconciliation that has taken place. So indeed, this is how important the horizontal reconciliation is with one another, that we acknowledge that we are one in Christ, that our bond of unity is greater than any other bond there is. Now, one application of this. I know many of you will not like this. I know, 